Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. The words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the podcast Eat and Ad Free Shows Network. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am every single week by the broken one, woken one, spoken one himself. That's me. Mr. Matt Hardy from Tampa, Florida this week. How's the Sunshine State treating you, my friend? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, I, I literally have just been in the airport in the hotel as of right now as we're connected to the uh to the airport so uh so far so good it's warm it is warm you will be on the campus of usf the university of south florida uh, yingling arena i believe if i'm not mistaken correct which will be the home of dynamite 200 it was the home of the wwe thunderdome for a while and now it is the home of dynamite 200 who would have thought a small little arena on the campus of the university of south florida would hold so many historic wrestling events dynamite 200 man how's that making you feel uh it's it's crazy that aw has had 200 episodes of dynamite uh it's cool though it uh, it speaks volumes about the success of the company and the growth of the brand and the fact that we're at 200 episodes is a, is a huge deal really really cool what do you think dynamite specifically dynamite has offered to the wrestling space as a tv show uh, more than anything else, an alternative to WWE, which is something that is very important for wrestling, I feel, just to have a, a, a different product out there, something that is a, an alternate choice that someone else can select and watch something that's a little different. AEW has been done different. It's formatted different from WWE, and I think it's a big positive. And it's so funny. You were talking about uh, WWE and taping during the pandemic here. Uh, Jeff was telling me all about that because he traveled and he stayed at this hotel so many times. And he was just talking about the whole process and, and doing the, uh, doing the events during the pandemic and how insane and different and crazy it was. That certainly was. We are live today on ad free shows. It's one of the big perks of adfreeshows.com. You become a top guy and you can find, you can find yourselves part of our live tapings. Like we got Josh here says, what's up everyone. It's another wonderful day here in Cincinnati. Good up, Josh, John, and Matt. We got our boy, Coach Rosie, who's in the house with us. Coach. We got a few others, too, so make sure you make your voice known here. And, of course, you can ask Matt any questions you might have during the course of today's episode. 
uh, where we are going to be talking about the top 10 Hardy Boys matches of all time, whether they're Matt matches, Hardy Boy matches, whatever they may be, it's going to be great. And I'm very excited to talk about that. But before we can get into that, Matt, big news this morning as we tape this on Wednesday. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are sticking around for the long run in AEW. The E in all elite wrestling have re-signed on contract extensions. They will remain executive vice presidents, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. What's your reaction to the news? Uh, I, uh, I'm happy to see it. I mean, I, I feel like the elite in so many ways, were, they're the heart and soul of AEW. I mean, obviously the company is named after them, All Elite Wrestling. So yes, they were a big deal to this company. They were uh, one of the most important reasons this company was started in the first place. These guys had a vision along with Cody and they made it come to reality when they, uh, you know, hooked up with Tony Khan and AEW came into existence. And on top of that, like uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, two of my best friends on the planet, as I've said many, many times. And yes, I do go hard for them because I do stand up for my friends whenever uh, my friends are in issues. Kenny Omega is someone I've got to know over the last couple of years. I like him a whole lot. And Hangman Adam Page, obviously, I knew him when he was a young up-and-comer coming up through the Indies in North Carolina, and I'm very proud of all the success he's been able to attain for himself over these last few years at AEW. And I think having the elite in your promotion is uh, one of the biggest positive things you can possibly have. Why do you say that? Uh, they're talented. They're creative. They think outside the box. They do things that no one else does. They, they really are people that have really – blazed their own trail. Uh, they have done things their own way and they have made themselves into huge stars. And I think it's very important to have that in a company, people who are willing to just like, uh, you know, kind of think outside the box, think outside the given parameters of professional wrestling and do things differently. As I said, they're maintaining their positions as executive vice presidents within AEW. What have they offered to the company from a backstage standpoint that people might not necessarily be aware of? I think from a backstage standpoint, they have really challenged people to try things differently creatively. I think one of the greatest examples of that is being the elite, their YouTube show, which they use to add nuance and they use to add detail into angles that are happening on television. And I, and I think it adds a lot to the, to the programming. I, I think it adds a lot to, the branding. I think it adds a lot to specific characters that come onto that show that do things like that. And, and I really think the way they tell a story is different than like traditional pro wrestling. And that's something I'm a big fan of. I also think when it comes to them being EVPs, when they speak with talents, it's much more uh, a person talking to you than a boss, it feels like. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing at all because they talk to you from a very real standpoint and they also talk to you not talking down, but they talk to you at the same level as people who are just trying to work together to get to a greater good. Yeah, your your old boss seems to be having quite a few weeks, huh? He uh, he he always does, man. You know, he's a he's a controversial, <laughs> he's a controversial character. <laughs> a little different talking to him versus talking to the elite. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking to Vince is like you're talking to some deity, you know, some larger than life, godlike being. You know, talking to the elite is like you're talking to two other human beings that are on your same level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just seems a little different. I, I mean, there's a few other 
differences thrown in there too. But you know, that's that's just nuance at this point. That's just conjecture, neither here nor there. I listen, I think it's a great thing for AEW. I, I said that right from the moment I heard the news. I think that they represent a movement in pro wrestling. And I think that's very important. And as AEW has expanded and added a lot of stars, I still think they're an integral part of the programming at the end of the day, even if we pretty much just see them on dynamite these days and not really on collision in the press release. And specifically, I should say the sports illustrate article, the bucks talked about how, when they were thinking over this decision, the, the biggest thing for them was the schedule and that they really felt like at this stage in their careers, they wanted to, be able to go home when they needed to go to TV and live life as a pro wrestler that way. What kind of interest do you think WWE would have had in them if they had been able to finagle something schedule wise? Cause I I'm sure that had to have been a holdup. Massive interest. They would have had massive interest on top of just being huge stars. I mean, especially their equity is only, uh, has only got higher since they've been doing AEW Dynamite and been the, you know, EVPs of AEW. You know, Kenny, Matt, Nick, and Hangman. All those guys are extremely valuable commodities. And on top of that, if you, if the WWE would have somehow landed them, I mean, then you kind of take the heart and soul out of all elite wrestling. I mean, for goodness sakes, the company, part of the the name of the company is Elite, so you would be losing like the heart and soul part of the. Uh, true identity of all elite wrestling. And that, that would be a big blow to AEW. I think. Do you think from your perspective that the schedule and dates is a big deterrent for a lot of pro wrestlers out there? Uh, it probably depends on where you're at. I mean, if you're someone who has a family, a wife at home and kids, and you want to optimize the amount of time you're able to spend with them. Yes. Schedule is a massive deal. If you're a single guy, if you're a young man, you don't have any responsibilities at home. It's different. Uh, schedule is not as important. But with WWE, they're doing things all over the globe, and they are going to do as many shows as they can possibly do. So obviously, the schedule is going to be much more intense there. So if you're someone who's a dedicated family guy, you have children, young children, on top of that, you definitely want to be home as much as possible. So the schedule is going to weigh heavily in your decisions. Good perspective to add to all of that. I think a lot of people just think about the money up front and WWE certainly would have offered them tons of money. I have no doubt about that, but I do think that at the end of the day, AEW has presented something very unique with the lack of house shows allowing for you to more or less be home for the large majority of the week. And I imagine that's probably changed your experience as a pro wrestler quite a bit too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's very nice to do. I mean, when my typical week is leave Tuesday evening, work all of Wednesday, come home, be home Thursday afternoon at some point. That's an amazing schedule, and I am here for it. You were at GalaxyCon this past week. Got to hang out with Steve from Blue's Clues. Your wife was pissed off at that, I saw. I, the internet was was ablaze about it. Give us a little insight there. What did Steve from Blue's Clues have to say? Uh, Steve from Blue's Clues came over to our table and said, Hey, guys, uh, you know, I – my guy asked your guy if I could take a picture with you. He said, sorry, right, could I grab a picture with you real quick? A big fan, big fan. And I was like, oh, sure, of course, man. Thank you. That's awesome. 
uh, I said, How, how's your weekend been? He said, oh, it's been really good. Like, I love the Hardy Boys when I was watching wrestling. He said, I was also a huge fan of Matt Hardy V1. And the sign that he threw up in the picture was uh, was this, <laughs> which was very, very cool. So he, uh, Steve from uh, Blue's Clues has Mattitude, baby. There you go. There you go. Who's one celebrity over the years that you've encountered that you would have never expected to be like a diehard Hardy Boy fan, but told you that they were? Can you think of any? Oh, my God. Um I mean, he he would probably he would probably uh, be towards the top of that list as well because I wouldn't have expected <laughs> that at all. I I never watched Blue's Clues. Of course, you know? not. I I didn't I didn't expect I didn't expect Steve to come over and start throwing up V1 hand, hand signs. Dude, I'm telling you, Blue's Clues was as hot as Monday Night Raw and Nitro at the time. It was a big deal. I I, I realized that. I realized that looking back in hindsight, it, it was truly a big deal. But I uh, obviously I was. On the, uh, on the hustle and grind at that point in my life, so I, I didn't have any time for Blue's Clues. Rosie says his son and him were watching Rampage. He was home from college. He saw Manny said, that's Gothic Baby's dad. You're damn right it is. <laughs> I'm proud to be the Gothic Baby's dad. <laughs> Half-ass over is that baby, that child, causing chaos everywhere that you go. Matt, we are talking the top 10 Hardy Boys matches of all time. Per the mind of Matt Hardy. And before we can get into that, you know what? I got to ask you, please hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt hasn't had a traffic ticket in over a decade. Okay. It's impressive. It's impressive. Uh, are you a more cognizant driver? Have you been lucky? What's the, what's the deal here? No, I'm just, you know, my Jesse James days are over, baby. Mm. Uh, you know? I just I, I live life right. I do my do my thing right. Mm. How, how's Mama as a driver? Uh, she's she's has uh, PTSD. Like she's still in New York. You know, <laughs> when she's driving in the south, she's like, "What do you think? Nobody here has anywhere to go. Go, go." She's very angry as a driver, bro. I got no, but I was thinking about that. I'm very much. She's like not a cruise control user. She doesn't really use cruise control. And uh, I just always put on cruise control. I, I, I don't want to drive a car that doesn't have cruise control. It's just easy. You don't have to think about your speed. You don't have to watch it. You just set cruise control and you drive, especially when you're on a highway, right? She likes the fact of just driving. She's not a cruise control user. But sometimes she'll be driving and just like get caught up in the moment. And the speed will change. And I'm like, hey, uh, it's 45 now. It's not 55 or it's not 60. Like, watch out. Interesting. I was saying I. this is brutal. 10 years ago, I want to say, 11 years ago, I got pulled over for going 38 in a 35. And I got a ticket and I had to go to court about it for going 38 in a 35. The, that, that, that's unreal. Like they're, they're not supposed to do that. I, they, they, the prosecutor was like, cause you can talk to the prosecutor beforehand. And the prosecutor was like, this is stupid. Like, just yeah. pay, pay the court fee and you're good. So I was like, great, but you still have to go in front of the judge. So I go in front of the judge, and the judge is like, I'm not feeling generous today. You have to pay the full fine, even though the prosecutor recommended waiving it. So I had to pay the full fine plus the point on my license plus the court appearance fee. How crazy. Or three miles an hour over? Three miles. And I wasn't speeding, it was 38 and a 35. That's absurd. It was beyond absurd, but it's preposterous. I, I technically broke 
the law. It's a tapestry. Oh my God! It certainly is. <laughs> it is a tapestry. That, that's the most out, outrageous speeding ticket charge I've ever heard of in my life. I, you know, and I, I was a young kid, and I think the officer was like, and "You needed the money." Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> sorry, wrong. wrong. <laughs> we'll do single Matt Hardy things for food. <laughs> <laughs> All right, top ten Hardy Boys matches of all time. I was going through things that we could talk about this week and you know we're kind and of for the record too john i i have put these together in my mind as like the top 10 matt hardy matches yeah obviously the hardy boys matches in there so right I just feel like these in my mind this is the top 10 hardy boys match and i'm gonna go in chronological order oh you're gonna go in chronological order okay yeah so that's fine you can go in chronological order but at the end i'm gonna put you i'm gonna put your feet to the fire and i'm gonna ask you to name the best one of your career okay so start thinking that over because i know that's what the peeps your boy that's what the peeps want to know at the end of the day so top 10 matches what qualifies an all-time memorable matt hardy match in your opinion i mean i i think it is important that the match is good but that's only to a degree i think the uh how mon monumentous how, uh, how important, how prestigious, how this match does in terms of affecting your career. Mm. I think that's, that's the, to me, that's the heaviest weighing factor. Okay. So we're talking about its monumental impact, its significance to your career. Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and then if it's a quality match, that also will add to it as well. Yeah. Okay. The parameters have been set. Yes. So. Please give us your number 10, Matt Hardy. Uh, I am going to start it by saying the match versus the Acolytes from 1999, where Matt and Jeff Hardy first won the tag team titles, which happened in Fedville, North Carolina. Wow. Okay. Number 10, your first tag team title win. Let's go back in time to this. We've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast, but you're in your home state, lots of hometown fans there. It's a quick match. But you guys end up sneaking away with the tag team championship. Michael Hayes has been at your side at that point for a little bit. Why is this your number ten? Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't have these ranked at all. By the way, as okay. I said, just going in order through my career. This is just one of the ten. Uh, this was the culmination of us achieving our dream. It's where our dream of one day being the WWE tag team champions became a realization. So that is. That, that's a hugely impactful match. There, there's no way I can list my greatest matches without that being one of them. So that is where we actually achieved our dream. And it was early on in our career, obviously, but it was a huge deal to us. I mean, that, that's all we ever want to do in the wrestling business. And, and we knocked that out in uh, July, of 1990, July of 1999. When did you get the heads up you guys were going to be winning the championship? Uh, a couple weeks out, it had been talked about, and Michael said he thought it was going to happen. And uh, I think the Acolytes got it, like, the night before. <laughs> <laughs> so what was their reaction, hypothetically speaking, to finding out you guys were about to beat them for the tag team championship? I, I, th I think they were okay. They, they just they were going to make us earn it, you know, from, from then on out. But it was a great compliment to us, too, because it showed that once we got put with Michael Hayes and we were repackaged, that Vince had faith in us and he wanted to do something with us. And the whole reason we 
won the tag team titles wasn't because we were the great best tag team in the world at that time. It's because the tag team titles were going to help us. They were going to help legitimize us. They were going to help put equity in the, you know, in the team of the Hardy Boys and make us like a legitimate team. And, and they really did. The next time we won the tag team titles, I think there was a, a great argument. We were the best tag team in the WWE at that point, and we actually elevated the tag team titles. But by far, when we won the tag team titles there, uh, the titles were definitely elevating us. What did it do for you guys beating a team of established veterans in Bradshaw and Farouk? I, I think they had really proven to be like legitimate tough guys in the ring and out of the ring. And, and the way they worked, they were these dominating monsters was something that they, you know, they, they put a lot of stock in obviously. And I, I think that was, you had these new young fearless dudes going against two of the biggest monsters in the WWE that have been around for a long time. Both are veterans, uh, both are legitimate tough guys, both whip people's asses. And then you had us overcoming this huge obstacle. And I think that was a, a very special and important moment. What was your feeling backstage before you went out there knowing that you were about to achieve a childhood dream for you and Jeff? I, I mean, my feeling before going out for that match is, man, I just hope everything goes good. I hope no one gets hurt, and I hope this match happens kind of as planned. You know, I just hope everything goes as, you know, kind of goes as thought about. And as long as it does that and we win the tag team titles and we have done this, we have pulled off our dream. We have made our dream become a reality. The feeling afterwards, you guys pull off the sneaky win. You run backstage. The adrenaline, I would have to imagine, must have been off the charts, especially feeding from that home state, big time pop in Fayetteville. Did you and Jeff have a realization backstage between one another that you had achieved that dream? I mean, yeah, once once the pinfall happened and we ran up, when you see those hugs on the stage with Michael Hayes, they're very real. The the emotion was very real. Uh, that, that wasn't something we had to to choreograph. That something, wasn't something we had to act. It was just very, very real. We were overwhelmed with joy. And, you know, once again, we had realized the culmination of our, of our dreams, of our childhood dreams. And it was so, so cool. And I remember we had a lot of family and friends that were there. We went out to Ruby Tuesdays and we had probably 20 people that were sitting there with us. And I'll never forget Jeff and I wore the belts into the restaurant, like a whole bunch of like big marks. It was great. <laughs> we are so excited to do it. Like we let everybody take pictures with them and whatnot. But it was a, a really, really fun time. What does that say about belt value in wrestling? Because you're going to hear a lot of people who say, oh, belts are just props. And I think in a lot of cases they are props. But clearly that win meant something to you why was that i mean for for us first and foremost it's just like wrestling is a a very interesting career choice because if you decide to be a pro wrestler you never know when it could end it could end tomorrow it could end today you know it's just wrestling is such a dangerous profession in many many ways you're you out there fake, right what's that you know it's fake right uh, I, I think so. That's what my dad said. So okay. I, I was pretty sure he was convinced of it. But, you know, anytime, you know, it's not normal for your body to be slammed on wooden steel night after night after night. And then when you're more of a guy, especially as we were at that at that stage, you know, a high flyer, you know, wrestling in extreme style, you know, that's going to add even more danger to the whole scenario. So the fact that we were able to win the tag team titles and put our name on this really special prestigious list of, 
you know, world tag team champions from World Wrestling Federation at that time, WWE, you know, that was a big deal to us. That was, you know, something that we just hoped to achieve in our life. And we did. And it was cool because we knew, like, if one of us got hurt or injured and we couldn't wrestle anymore, you know, in the next few weeks or a few months or whatever, at least we accomplished that. And that was the original goal that we set out to to achieve. Uh, so so that's why it was like a huge deal. And when you talk about belts being props and whatnot, I mean, to, to a degree they are. There's some people that are so over they don't necessarily need the belts. And I, I, I kind of do agree with Vince McMahon in that mindset, although I don't think it's always right when you follow through with that. You know, my first example would be SummerSlam 2000 when, you know, he said too many people know that you and your brother are going to win the titles. We've got to change it. I, I want to let – you know, Edge and Christian retain, and then we'll do it at the next pay-per-view. So, you know, too many people know you guys are going to win. Sometimes that's what people want, though, and you have to follow through with the story. I think at the end of the day, match quality, if it's a great match, that's good, but that's not the biggest selling point in pro wrestling. I think the biggest selling selling point in pro wrestling is a specific character who goes on a certain journey, and you want to follow this character's story arc, and you want him to get to that final destination that everybody wants him in. I think that is the biggest and most important selling point of pro wrestling in general. I mean, ideally, the character investments there creates a story, and the story leads to a moment. And then the story progresses to another moment. And you have moments complementing the stories. So I think that's generally the linear track. And you guys got a great moment there. Rosie says Ruby Tuesday's best salad bar in the game. Oh, boy, yeah. Do they still have a salad bar like that now? I don't think Ruby Tuesday's is really around much. I think they're very few and far between. Yeah, we uh, we had one like locally in uh, our town of Southern Pines, Aberdeen, and it uh, it went out of business. So they they did. It was back in the day. It was it was the best salad bar in the business. You are right, Coach. He also wants to know: Did Mister Hayes do the sprinkler bathroom gimmick to celebrate? Well, not with us that night. We were going home with our family, so we we weren't forced to travel with them. We weren't on the road being the new fabulous three birds. Then, so I don't know. Sorry. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. That's fair enough. Fair enough. What is your next installment on your top 10 here, Matt Hardy? Uh, the next installment would be the No Mercy 1999 first ever tag team ladder match, which was the finals of the Terry Invitational Tournament, which pitted myself and my brother Jeff against Edge and Christian. And it was the uh, the 
probably the, the, the match. It was without a doubt the match that had us go from being WWE wrestlers into WWE superstars because everything changed at that point. But in a lot of ways, this could be the most pivotal match of our career. You just can't get enough of that tit, can you? Uh, no, I like the tit. I mean, who doesn't like the tit? The tit was a game changer in WWE. Jerry Lawler was very invested in the tit. I don't know if you heard that. No one's more invested than Jerry Lawler. No one is more invested than Jerry Lawler in that. This in all, is in all of the tit. In all of the tit. This is the match that we started this podcast out with. We just did a live show and watched this match together with your boys, Daniel Garcia and Isaiah Cassidy. It still resonates with so many fans. The audience that we were talking to just all kept talking about how this was the match that opened their eyes. When you guys are stepping out there, out of the curtain, do you realize that you have this opportunity to change the game and change the timeline of pro wrestling forever with what you're about to do? We were cognizant of, of the fact that we had the ability to create something that was going to truly be magical and that could change the game. But none of us knew at that moment that it was going to have the impact that it ended up having. We had no idea it was going to trigger, you know, the whole TLC era and, and just really elevate tables, ladders, and chairs matches into a permanent stable of pro wrestling. We had no idea that this was going to, going to be the beginning of that. What was the point in the match that you knew something special was happening? After they did the deal where Christian pinned Jeff in the corner with a ladder and then he ran and jumped off the ladder and dropkicked Jeff in the corner and there was a, a huge applause. And then from that point on, the, the applause just kept growing little by little and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger at every spot we did and everything we pulled off. And we could see and feel, more importantly than see, we could feel inside within ourselves that, that the crowd knew they were witnessing something special. And not only were they appreciative of it, but they were grateful. And it, it was almost like we were creating this work of art and they were acknowledging it every step of the way. You've gone on the record and you've said that the psychology and storytelling in the hardcore matches improved over time and that this match was just a lot of moments put together to create that spectacle. In hindsight, looking back at it, even though you have it as a top 10 match, in this particular instance, is there anything that you view through a critical eye, through a critical lens when reflecting on that match? No, I don't think so. You know, the only thing that I look back at, uh, Jeff and I were hitting the ropes at the same time and he hit one instant before I did. And like my head went underneath the rope as it got pushed back. And then I jimmied myself a little bit. And that happened. I mean, that's the only thing I could look at that would say makes that match imperfect to a degree. But I wouldn't even change that because everything about that match was a moment. It, it was a real moment in time, and it, it could never be duplicated. It can never be redone. Uh, and, and I wouldn't change anything about the original. You feeling okay after your head got caught there? You're still nimble back then? Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was fine. Uh, it was one of those things where it was one of the first times I was in a match and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that. And like, it makes you second guess yourself. And I had to say, okay, it's done now. Just keep your chin up and keep moving forward and keep doing your job. And, uh, that, that was a, a very good lesson that I learned there in real time. I think like, you know, 
shit isn't going to always go right in the ring. And if something does go awry, then you got to just keep your chin up and keep moving forward and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, f- physically, man, like your body's going to change over time too. You had the head, you were able to be all right. A couple weeks ago, I mean, Satnam Singh yeeted you out of that battle oh royal and your back's okay now? You're doing all right? Uh, yeah, it was extremely tight over the last week. Worked as much as I could to stretch it, stretch it out and loosen it. But yeah, it was a. Uh, he, he definitely uh, he made sure I was going out of that battle roll. There was no if ands or buts about it. <laughs> there certainly were not. I was a little worried when I heard, but I knew that you'd be able to bounce back, Matt Hardy. And the reason that I knew you'd be able to bounce back is, of course, because we are talking about our friends at AG One. Of course, Matt Hardy drinks his AG ones every single day, and I got a feeling, Matt. That's why you were able to bounce back so quickly after that vicious bump on the hardest part of the ring, which is the apron. Have you heard that before? That's the hardest part of the ring. Uh, I think I think I have heard that before. Ironically, uh, yeah, man. Uh, the first thing every single morning, the way I start my day is by drinking my AG one, and it really does. It really sets the pace for the uh, for the remainder of the day. And, and thank goodness I drink my AG ones every single day because that allowed me to bounce back quickly from uh, being humbled and getting a broken back in that battle world. <laughs> you did get humbled the old country way, as our old boy, the shaky baby, would say. But thankfully, AG1s has your body feeling good with all the nutritional needs that it requires every single day. AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients for whole body health. And it's going to replace your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. That has got to be the best part when you're traveling on the road there, Matt Hardy. You don't have to worry about carrying all these pills and supplements and multivitamins. It's just one little pouch. You, what do you put it in your backpack? You put it in your little travel bag? How do you carry it? You put it in my computer bag, and I pull out my AG1s and make sure to pack enough for however many days I'm going on the road. And then I, uh, I just whip it out in the morning and pour it into a bottle of water, and bam, there we go. It's uh, it's so convenient because it really is. <clears throat> if you were going to take all the healthy nutrients and whatnot that is within AG1s and you take all those different supplements, it would just be such a mess because you'd have to bring so many different things. AG1s, it's very convenient. It's in one place. It's a one and done. I love it. Just one daily serving gives you the comprehensive foundational nutrition you're going to need. Supports energy, focus, strength, and clarity with 75 high-quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced ingredients. I can't think of any other daily routine that's going to pay off as well as AG1. You don't got to let AG1 play out because I'm telling you, you're going to feel it every single day. So if you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 now and get how many free AG1 travel packs, Matt Hardy? Five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five free travel packs. You can't beat it, and I love to hear it. You're going to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase as well. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash Hardy. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Hardy. Check it out. Hey, guys. It's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On the debut episode of Making the Town, Lumini takes us through the memorable matches and moments of the famed ECW arena, including one that was never seen. Something very special happened after the power went off. 
uh, Paul Heyman went out into the ring and spoke to the crowd without a microphone. And the crowd just stayed quiet and listened. And he gave the most heartfelt thank you to that crowd that night. And uh, the biggest shame of it is there's no footage of it because the power went out. On an all-new Tuesday with the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan talks about what some of the greatest factions of all time have in common. Four horsemen, four guys, Mm. when they're in the strongest. NWO, four guys when they're the strongest. And then Bloodline, four guys. But they also had a manager, each one of them. J.J., Eric, and Paul E. That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. No, we just aired that ad-free shows ad in there. I'll tell you, man, there's there are a few people I love in wrestling as much as Blue Meanie. I love Blue Meanie. And mm-hmm. I'd love to get him on the show one time because I think he's just one of the kindest, coolest dudes in all wrestling. And uh, I'm sure you cross paths with him at a lot of cons every now and then, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I've got lots of love for Blue Meanie as well. Yeah, I would love to have him on the show. Big time Blue Meanie fan over here. Uh, I doubt he's on your top 10 match list, but nonetheless, I would like to continue to hear what is the next one in your top 10 where you're two down. What's our third? I would say the next match in my top 10 list is going to be TLC two from WrestleMania 17. Uh, you know, which obviously was our favorite TLC match of all the, uh, of all the different TLC matches. It was our favorite of the series. And that is the match that I would include. And in, uh, as next in my top 10, I've gone on record with you on this podcast, Matt Hardy. I think this is the most influential match of your career. I think it might be the most important match of your career. It took everything you guys have done and elevated it to an entirely new level on the biggest stage possible in front of 70,000 fans at the Houston Astrodome. Yes. Where does it fit in terms of the legacy of what all of you guys created together during that era? Uh, I mean, it's it's right at the top. It's right at the top. If uh, you know, if it's not number one, it's number two or three, without a doubt. You know, because it is a, it's a a huge match, which was also another match that was part of the show stealing card at WrestleMania 17. Uh, it stood out. It was very different, and I feel like it was the strongest one from a psychology standpoint. And just when you're on a card that is that big, and you have The Rock and Stone Cold and you know Taker and everybody else on it, and you're one of the matches that like stands out head and shoulders above other things. You know, there, there are a few matches that really stood out on that show. That's, that's a big deal. And that, that match I feel like showed that the Hardys and the Dudleys and Edge of Christian had arrived as being legitimate superstars and, and money makers for WWE at that time. When you think about walking through that entrance, I know you've told the story before where Michael Hayes yeah. kind of told you to, soak it in and enjoy it because you meant never know if you might feel this again or get this again. Was there a sense that you made it like you achieved the dream when you walk through a curtain like that and you're in that stadium in that kind of environment? Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, you know, when he said, you never know how many moments you're going to have like this in your career, you know, so really take it all in, 
take your time, look around and absorb, you know, every, every instant of, uh, of, of that entrance. And he was right. And I'm so glad I did it. And you can see it on my face. I can see that I'm doing it in real time. And I do, I do remember that, that entrance very vividly. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is, this is incredible. Like we have made it. We are here. One of the headline matches at a WrestleMania show and there's 70,000 people watching us and cheering for us and going nuts. Like we, we have really, we've really done something special. When you reflect on the match, what is the most special part of it for you? I mean, for me, it would be when myself and Bubba go crashing through the four tables on the floor, just because it was just such a, such a devastating, crazy, unseen spot, you know, at that time that had never been done before, you know, and it was, had a lot of risk to it. There was a, a lot of risk, but John, in that what life is a risk. It is. Certainly. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, that's what stands out to me the most. And one of the moments I think that stands out of that match, probably the most is Jeff being speared off the ring that held up the titles by edge, which is just such an iconic moment, which is shown so many times still in highlight reels to this day and will always be shown in highlight reels. When that happened in the moment, I know you're getting ready to do your big spot. So that's where your focus is. But when Jeff takes that spear, did you realize that it would be the phenomena that it ended up becoming? I mean, we, we knew it was going to be crazy. We thought it was crazy talking about it right from the jump. I just remember I was blown away by how flat he landed because it's so hard to control your body, you know, falling that far and being hit by another human being who weighs a lot. Uh, but he, he like stuck it perfectly and it was unreal. I just, I hoped it was okay. When you're at signings and conventions and appearances, is that the match that people bring up to you the most? We hear we hear about that one a lot. I, I would say the matches that we hear about the most would be the uh, would be TLC two, uh, the triple uh, triple threat uh, uh, triple threat ladder match at WrestleMania two thousand triangle ladder match, and uh, the No Mercy match. And oddly enough, the uh, the final deletion comes up a whole lot too. Final deletion is always asked about. Uh, the return of WrestleMania two is something. Th th those five topics are probably what you hear the most about from like casual fans. Got a feeling we might be hearing about a few of those later on in this list too, potentially. So that doesn't surprise me that much. TLC two man, when we came up with the concept for this podcast, I told you that to me was the most pivotal moment for us to lead to and piggyback off of. As we discussed on this show, we did it earlier this year. It is available in our archives, extremehardy.com. Watching that match with you is a, a career highlight for me. Go check that one out if you haven't already. So we got three down here, Matt. What's our fourth? Uh, my fourth match on my list of my top ten would be uh, myself versus Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight title, which main evented SmackDown in Anaheim, California. Mm. Ended, up being, ended up being the blow-off to myself and Ray, who'd been feuding for about four or five months at that time. And we really turned that into – something much bigger than it was ever, you know, than it was ever supposed to be. And I do take a lot of pride in that, especially because when I first turned Hill, you know, they were, Vince was all in on giving Jeff a singles push, especially following his match with the Undertaker, the ladder match. And then I ended up kind of stealing the spotlight at that time. And I ended up uh, being like this big success story. And Vince loved the whole Mattitude, Matt Hardy version one character so much and, and loved what I was doing. And the fact that he had the faith to put myself and Ray in a main event slot 
of SmackDown for the Cruiserweight title uh, spoke volumes because he didn't see the Cruiserweight title as being important in, you know, in the past. It's a match we will cover in depth at some point. We were supposed to do stuff on Ray a couple weeks ago, but travel got on the way, and we're going to get to it. It's going to be done properly with the proper time investment, but it is a match that I do think a lot of wrestling fans are nostalgic for because it was so different. It was so special. What kind of nerves, if any, did you have in that spot? Because, pardon me, that was not a spot that you had really been in before, trusted in that singles capacity to main event a major television show. I, uh, I, I felt good. I felt good about where I was at as far as my career goes at that time. I was very confident in what I was doing. I was in the, in the best shape I'd ever been in in my career. Uh, I, I feel like I had my shtick together real good, and I was doing a character and a persona as Matt Hardy version one that I uh, I really had down to a science. And I, I felt like I was put in the best situation. I was able to have minions out there, Shannon, uh, and obviously Crash Holly, and they they added so much to the act, and they were guys I could – you know, bully and be mean to like, I, I really felt like everything came together for me at that time. And once again, it was such a great honor to be there and, and main event in Anaheim and have Ray's, you know, home audience right in front of us be, you know, give him the, the home court advantage, so to say, and have his family out there. And all I can do is think about little Dominic when he was out there cheering things on. And then like, you know, at, at the very end of the night, making sure that he knew that I wasn't out there to legitimately hurt his dad, that I was okay. Uh, so that, that, that was a great moment, and uh, I'm very proud of the stuff that myself and Ray did together. Dominic had a very Matt Hardy 2010-2011 style promo the other day. Um, I don't know if you saw this, because he's doing the NXT stuff right now. And they did a segment where he reads tweets. And the tweet that was asked him, it was like, will you ever reconcile with your dad? Mm. And he goes, you know, this is something that really keeps me up at night. Uh, it's really been hitting my heartstrings quite a bit. And it's it's been very emotional for me. But the reality is I just have to accept things as they are. And he looks up to the sky and he says, I miss Yaddy. <laughs> I, miss you. I miss you every day <laughs> and i said this little shit i was like but th he's getting he's getting the little nuances of this stuff and i it's working man it's working big time and i think it's cool that you think about that match little dominic seeing him there for the first time uh i mean how easy was ray to work with at that time period because i feel like he's just top of his game there yeah he, he was the best just the best absolute best like I worked him on the road a lot. We did house shows. It was just always a pleasure. It felt like a night off, and we'd go have these killer matches night in and night out. I was going to say, that probably pushed you, being such a Lucha fan at the time and doing the high-flying stuff, not all that long removed from Omega, getting a chance right. to have someone who can actually match you and push you with that. That had to feel so liberating as a performer. Uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was just uh, just an absolute pleasure to to work with Ray. He was just He's one of the easiest guys I've ever worked with. And it was just all, also fun, too. He could do anything, and he was just so fun and so easy. It was just, just a great time. All right, we're halfway through here. Let's get to number five. Number five, I would say, would be the steel cage match against Edge, where I got my win of that 
that uh that program and in theory that was kind of like the babyface blow off although they did want to separate us and they were going to send me to smackdown and we had that ladder match afterwards but the uh the steel cage match where i did the big leg drop off the top of the cage and that was the uh the kind of the finale uh that that was the big blow off so to say where the babyface got his win over the dastardly edge we'll be talking about that match soon here on this podcast i'm very excited to get into it but I do think a lot of people look back at that bump as probably one of the most daring, if not the most daring of your career. Where does that rank for you in terms of bumps you've taken? Definitely one of the biggest. Uh, I obviously had adrenaline running the, uh, the, the day of and, and the night of, but it, it did. It set me back. My, my hips and like lower back had already been damaged from doing the leg drop for 15 years before that, as it was, you know, in pro wrestling, nearly 15 years almost. And uh, that, that, that was a big one. I'll never forget coming to the back. And uh, two of the agents at that time were Ted DiBiase and, and, uh, and Mike Rotundo. And I remember they said, oh, my God, how are you feeling after that bump? I said, well, I feel okay now, but ask me tomorrow, and I'll be able to give you an honest assessment. Uh, and it was. It was very, very tight the next day. And I was still okay. It wasn't, like, dramatic. Like, that, was, that happened and everything changed. But slowly after that i started uh phasing out the leg drop from my arsenal and that's where i started coming up with the most exciting yet boring move in the history of high flying ho elbow drop off the second rope uh that's why i just smart my smart my acts up a little bit sometimes you just got a man do you feel that that was a proper climax to your program with edge that match i mean if we would have ended it on that 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 would have been perfect i think uh, you know, with the way we did it, uh, the, the first match at SummerSlam, the way Vince wanted to portray it is real, you know, and he wanted us to eat people in wheelchairs. That was fine. I, I, was, I, I was, I was cool with that. And then we had that street fight, which I thought that was very, which actually happened here in Tampa. Come to, come to think of it. Uh, the street fight that we had was, was really well done. It's where we did the side effect down and we both got electrocuted. And then the cage match was, a great match just through and through. It was very solid from a psychological standpoint. Uh, the stuff we did was cool. It was innovative and it had that huge flying leg drop off the top of the cage as, as the finale. If that would have been the end of the program, that would have been a okay with me, but like Vince was just adamant. He didn't want to take it, even though everybody was cool and everybody was on the same page at that point, Vince didn't want to take any chances and he wants to be on separate rosters and he planned on doing things with me on SmackDown as it was anyway. So he decided to come up with that, that deal at the end, the, you know, the loser leave raw match where I end up leaving and then going to SmackDown. We will get into all of that very soon here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. I've got a feeling that might be one of our most downloaded episodes. So be on the lookout for that one. As we talk a little more about edge in that SummerSlam 2005 match. All right, Matt, what's your number six? Uh, my number six match would be winning the ECW title in the first ever WWE scramble match. And once again, this kind of uh, this ranks, I think, just because of significance. This was uh, once again a statement by Vince saying that, like, I believe in you to like be the face of this promotion and kind of like be a, a, a leader. And I want to give you the main championship of ECW and I want you to kind of uh, bring guys up around you. We've talked about this match before, available in our archives, ExtremeHardy.com, on the ECW episode. How challenging is it putting together a scramble match like that? How many people are pulling the strings and actually orchestrating what goes on from point A to point B? 
it, it, it was a tricky match. And keep in mind, this was the first one that had ever happened in history. So we were kind of breaking new ground, obviously. And I think we, we were kind of learning in real time what worked and what didn't work. So it was, it was definitely challenging, and especially the way you timed things, you know, having an idea of what you're doing going in. It was very chaotic, uh, very messy in some ways. Um, but, but it was, it was them trying a new concept and that is what you have to do in pro wrestling. I think to, to develop a new concept, you have to try things that are out of the box and that's what they were attempting with the scramble matches. To be a part of that and then to win it, how gratifying and fulfilling was that for you personally? I mean, it was hugely gratifying. And once again, it just, uh, showed how much faith Vince and company had in me at that, at that point they were going to you know, reward me with the ECW championship and have me lead that promotion. And I was, uh, I was very proud to do it. And I was very uh, appreciative of the opportunity. We had this question asked to us. We did an ad free shows bonus episode this past week, which you can check out adfreeshows.com. Uh, now that you've had a good amount of time to really reflect on your championship run in ECW, where does it stand for you in terms of career accomplishments? I mean, it's it's up there. Uh, I, I was proud. That's the first time I was really given a title and considered the the heavyweight champion of a promotion. Um, so obviously that was that was a, that was very cool and something I was very grateful to be given that opportunity. It, it's going to be hard to overcome winning the first ever WWE World Tag Team title because that was just such a big deal to myself and Jeff. But. As far as winning the ECW title, it's definitely up there, probably probably top three, top five uh, moments in uh, winning a championship that I was very proud of and and uh, and, and really appreciate that I got, I got the opportunity to be in that spot. The only downside, I wish you had the proper ECW championship belt. I feel like <laughs> a little better than the shiny plate of metal that they were serving up at that time. It was my ECW car grill. <laughs> it reminded me of always. Yes, I definitely feel that. All right, what's our next one, Matt? The next one would be myself versus Brother Nero, Jeff Hardy, the Charismatic Enigma at WrestleMania 25 in an Extreme Rules match with Matt versus Jeff. Significant, albeit a little rushed, as we talked about here on this podcast as well. An Extreme Rules match. That saw you get a major WrestleMania win, arguably the biggest win of your career on a WWE show. Mm -hmm. Brother versus brother. A feud that you put a lot of work and effort into, even if it did maybe cross a little bit of a line at, at one point with the dog in the fire and all that stuff. But why is this one so meaningful to you? That was also uh, another realization of a dream. You know, uh, our two goals ever in pro wrestling was one to win the WWF world tag team titles and put our name on the list of former WWF tag team champions. We wanted to accomplish that. And the other was to wrestle one another in a major spot on a major pay-per-view. And we ended up getting to do it on WrestleMania. So yeah, that was the culmination of another dream for myself and my brother. And once again, it was one of the marquee matches, one of the advertised matches. So that was a, a, a another reinforcement that we had made it at that time. We had truly made it. What did your peers think of that feud in that match and you guys getting the opportunity to face one another? I, I think people liked it. I, I, I do know like 
the office and Vince, they were very happy with the stuff I was doing as a heel. You know, we may have taken it a little too far when we did the whole burning the house down and, and uh, you know, the whole dog deal. Because that was one thing that I was worried that people might think, well, this is a little too much. We might not buy this. We'll believe of Matt being jealous of Jeff because Jeff's always been historically more popular or whatever. Um, but we thought that was a little too much. But I do know all the way up through that, Vince was very high on me. And, like, I, my body was very, very beat up at that time, too. Eventually, I ended up getting hurt. And, uh, you know, I'd had the broke hand at the following pay-per-view and then that led to my, you know, my abdominal wall ripped and my intestines came out and I had to have surgery for all that. But like th there was a plan if I would have been able to stay healthy and had been healthy going through that, Vince had some pretty major ideas in mind that I could possibly do going forward, which would have elevated me as a hill. But it also turned out that Jeff was getting ready to leave and they wanted a, some sort of hearty representation as a babyface, And I ended up turning back babyface, which it's, it's tricky. It's always hard when Jeff and I, work one another, but I think that was the very first time that Jeff and I felt very confident in our ability to play our roles in the right way and to make this thing work. You've mentioned in the past that you felt like Vince was setting you up for a world heavyweight title program. Do you feel in your gut that you would have ever gotten that opportunity to win a world title? I'm not talking the ECW title, I'm talking the world heavyweight title or WWE championship. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you just, you never know. It's 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 hard it's hard to say. I mean, I I think I could have possibly got into a position that, you know, it possibly could have happened. But but who knows? It's hard to predict, man. But still, going out in front of all those that was in Houston that WrestleMania out in front of all those fans, you and your brother, that just must have been so exhilarating seeing all those people there. Think about it. I mean, it's amazing the amount of willow versus surge matches in these small little venues then comparing that to the massive packed crowd of reliance stadium right did you guys take in that moment and recognize how far you guys had come oh without a doubt i mean we we obviously did that was a very special moment for us and uh yeah it, it was just something we were very grateful to have gotten the opportunity we had some time cut and i remember jeff was hot about that uh, but he was very passionate, and I think he was very passionate about this because this match was a big deal to us, and we both cared a lot about it. So, yeah, I am very happy that we had the had the opportunity to do it. And even at the very end, they said, like, after Jeff did the leg drop, they're just like, cover him, cover him, cover him. And, and we were both like, fuck that. It's not happening. This twist of hate's happening. So, yeah, we, we were both taken in that moment, and we knew it was a big deal. We, we were very much present in that moment. We knew we were doing something special. Just think what it must have been like to be in attendance for that match. You can only dream about being in a big-ass stadium, seeing something monumental like that happen. But actually, you know what, Matt Hardy? You don't got to dream about it because you got game time in your pocket to make sure that you are not missing out on these record-setting events that go down in all of space and time. Because with the Game Time app, all you got to do is download code HAR or download the app Enter the promo code Hardy and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase to your favorite sporting events, your favorite concerts, your favorite wrestling events, and everything in between. And Matt Hardy with All In coming up and AEW approaching 80,000 tickets sold. I can't imagine a better place to use an app like this than one of these big premium events that AEW is putting on. If you have the opportunity to be able to sneak in the All Out at the very last moment, 
this is where you go. You go to game time, and this is where you score those tickets. This is where you procure, pro procure, procure those last-moment tickets. <laughs> Forget planning all these months in advance. Our schedules change. Yours and mine schedules. Our schedules change by the hour, Matt. No, mine changes on the day. <laughs> Game time has deals on tickets right up to the very moment of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, wrestling, and so much more. And the Game Time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Matt, you're going to make money on this. How about that? I know big money Matt's all about that. Yes, he is. Big Money Matt is all about it. You're going to get images of your seat before you buy them. You're going to know exactly where you're going to sit, and you're going to get them in just a matter of two taps. That's all you need, and you are set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. No digging through your email. Just download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. And what's that promo code, Matt Hardy? That promo code is H-A-R-D-Y HARDY. And on top of all this, John, you don't have to worry about those little pesky expenses that these other uh, tickets are trying to throw in there. With game time, it's a one and done. They take care of you guys. Uh, all in one pricing makes my life so much easier. It's going to make your life easier as well. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, absolutely guaranteed. Okay, Matt Hardy, we got a few more here. Let's keep going. What's next? I would say the next match in my top 10 favorite matches would be the Matt Hardy wins the TNA world title uh, from EC3. And mm -hmm. that happens in a double turn, which I think is a match that is highly underrated because just there wasn't a big audience that could see it at that time. And it never got the credit it truly deserved. I'm very, very proud of that match. And uh, I, I feel like we pulled off that double turn, uh, that, that double turn. Uh, and it was practically perfect. We covered that match in depth on our Becoming Broken series, and we had EC3 on the podcast as well. What kind of thought and consideration and care went into making sure that the double turn would come off the way you were hoping it would? It was just one of those things where I could tell once I came in with Jeff and we were doing the Hardy Boy shtick that we'd been doing from the jump, and there was a big portion of the crowd that have been like, oh, come on, these guys are still doing this thing they've been doing for like 20 years. Like, give us an opportunity. Like, we want to see something different from this guy, whatever, because we're sick of just seeing Matt Hardy as one of the Hardy boys. So I uh, I thought we would give it a shot, and and I would uh, lean on to some of my Ring of Honor work when I did Big Money Matt, and we ended up doing that. We did a double turn. I feel like EC3 at the time, even though it was a heel, he was a bad guy, a lot of people looked at him as like, you know, a, a TNA original and like a building block of TNA at that time. So I thought the temperature was right for him to turn babyface, And I thought it was right for me to turn Hill. And we were kind of reading how our audience was feeling in general. And uh, we executed it in the perfect way in that match. I always thought that this was some of your best character work, especially as we began to venture into the broken side of things. How much do you think Rebby added to you being able to punctuate this double turn and ensure that people understood this was going to be a major shift in your presentation. Yeah. I mean, she was, she was definitely, uh, you know, she was that, she was the voice in my head. She was the, the whisper in my ear. She was the one that was like stirring things up. So yeah, she was hugely instrumental in this. And she was kind of like the one that had the attitude and, you know, 
part of the part of the whole phrase that we used as far as making that double term work was it's time for me to stop giving and start taking. And she was the one that was encouraging that over and over. So, yeah, that worked perfectly. Impact, TNA, whatever it was at the time, it was it was in a rough spot. These are the Destination America Pop TV days and everything. Was there any amount of frustration that the talent encountered knowing that they were putting on quality stuff, but it wasn't necessarily being consumed by larger audiences? I think so. I, I mean, everyone was aware that we had a very limited television you know, outlet, uh, that not a ton of people were seeing stuff, but we were just trying to all do something that would create some sort of buzz and get people talking. And, and that was also like when the internet was becoming a much more important way to consume, you know, your pro wrestling. And, and I think that helped us a lot during that time as well. Just their, their YouTube videos and just word of mouth. And it was like, Hey, they got this really cool angle going on here. So, you know, obviously this all led to Matt Hardy becoming broken. So this was, this was really the, the start of it, I think. And it all led to King Maxwell pinning Disco Inferno, which was a good day in the office in my book as far as I see it. Go check that out, guys. It's a really, really interesting period of time in Matt's career. Available in our archives, ExtremeHardy.com. All right, we got a couple more here, Matt. What's next? Next would be the final deletion. Where was my job to delete, delete, delete Jeff Hardy? Uh, out of the Hardy family tree, you know, and like take over the Hardy branding and and uh, make him pay for his sins against me over all of space and time. And really, I just wanted to get him to stop jumping off the top rope and try and get him to take better care of himself <laughs> was a lot of the reality behind that. Uh, but once we did that first contract signing, it was so polarizing and just had so many people talking. I just I, I knew we had tapped into something special. It just I knew we had to be very careful and we had to take this thing in the right direction. And the final deletion was also very, very polarizing, but it was, uh, it, it's, it's a moment in time in my career and it became viral online. And, and, and a lot of the power of the whole broken universe came from stuff going viral online and just the crazy things I would say, the way I would pronounce things, whatever it may be, but becoming broken Matt Hardy and having that final deletion and the, and the popularity that I gained over the course of the next six, seven months, that is the, uh, without a doubt, that is the definitive, that's the definitive force, that's the definitive event that led us to returning to WWE, me becoming Broken Matt Hardy and just my, myself and Jeff getting getting hot with the whole Broken Universe, the whole Broken Universe uh, product. From the percentages that you encounter at conventions and events, how many of fans would you say resonate even more with the broken character stuff than they did the OG Hardy boys? Like what's that percentage like when you do appearances from what you gather? Uh, probably half and half. Wow. There, there, there are a lot of people just like, Oh my God, are you going to do broken Matt Hardy again? You know, we really want to see that. And I just, I think broken Matt Hardy can survive uh, somewhere else and could thrive somewhere else. Just it would have to be kind of on its own platform. Because wrestling is taking a turn right now. Wrestling isn't a in a particular climate that would really support a larger than life, over the top, outrageous character right now. Not where it's at currently. So I, I think it could survive and it could have an audience, but it would it would live on another platform somewhere. I think. I've never asked you this question, and I can't believe I've never asked you this. What do you think it was, 
or is about broken Matt Hardy and the broken universe that connects with people so much? Why do people care so much about these characters? I mean, I, I think first and foremost, it was just, it was fun. And, and we were really focused on larger than life characters. And once again, you knew who these characters were. It was pretty cut and dry and they were on this journey and they were on this story arc and, and people wanted them to get to a certain place, you know? And I, and I think even though this story was larger than life and over the top and super fan, fantastical and whatnot, it was still a fun story to follow. And on top of that, it was just fun that it would make people laugh. It would make people smile. And, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes people don't want all seriousness in pro wrestling. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you have to have seriousness to draw money. But sometimes you can have stuff that's fun and, and people just really enjoy. Well, and you started it with a very serious, maniacal nature. And then there was a little bit of a shift where you realized that incorporating humor into the character might give it even more longevity and more legs. Do you remember there being a very cognitive moment in that timeline where you're like, oh, okay, if I start acting a little lighter with this thing, I think it's going to resonate more. I do. I do remember that, especially as we got to that point where we didn't know if Jeff was going to end up turning kind of heel with broken Matt or if broken Matt was going to end up turning baby face with Jeff. And then we, we felt it was going to turn baby face. And I remember being even more aware and cognizant of just being more lighthearted and, and fun as a baby face is broken Matt. And I think you enjoyed doing that just as much. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's, and I've said this a million times, and I, I can't ever imagine this being topped. It was the most fun, most fun period of my entire career. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Do we have one or two more left? I was, I was making notes here, and, and I got lost in counting. We, we have one more. That's what I thought. Yeah, we have one more. And uh, the last thing that really falls into my top 10 events in my career, it would be the uh, ladder war at Ring of Honor. Wow, okay. And, uh, I would put in there with the, the Hardys versus the Bucks of Youth. Wow. The night before WrestleMania. Is, yeah. that, is that because the WrestleMania match itself is perfectly fine? It's it's not a super memorable match itself. You remember it more for the moment, the return, the entrance. Is that why you value the ladder war more? Yes, I, I do. I mean, that that I, that's a match, too, I hear about all the time. People say, oh, my God, I think that was your best ladder match. I think you do, too. You're yeah. one of the real big advocates of it, you know? So I, I still do hear that a lot, especially from casual fans or, and, and regular fans. I hear that pretty routinely. And, and, and I almost feel like even the WrestleMania return that almost, I would almost like lump it into like a match or, you know, just, uh, you know, it's an, an event, event. Yeah, like, it's, an event. Uh -huh. it's an event of like the expedition of gold. I, I think that's one of the greatest things of, of our career too. It doesn't really, categorize and fall into like a, a match per se, but it's like one of the top 10 most important events in, in our career. And I almost feel like that kind of all goes together. That's like having the run in TNA and then going to ROH and showing up and beating the Young Bucks for the tag titles, dropping them back in the ladder war, and then showing up at WrestleMania uh, 33 and then, you know, finishing the, the whole expedition of gold by winning the WWE tag team titles, which is something that wasn't originally supposed to happen at the beginning of this whole concept. You know what I love about the latter war? It was that reminder to all the people who had written the Hardy boys off as these character gimmicks at this point. They're, they're not in ring guys anymore. They're characters. That's what they're doing. It reminded everyone. No, no, we we're the innovators of the ladder match and we can hang with the best of them. And then plus it helps. You got, 
no pun intended here, you have elite dancing partners in the Young Bucks who really just bring out something else in you guys. I mean, reflecting on that, take me through the semantics of it. Why is it in this last spot, the match itself? I mean, I just, as I said before, I went in chronological order. Uh, this this isn't classified as number one or number ten. It was just one of the the top ten. You can hit me with your question there at the end as far as what what do I rank as the top one. But I mean, I just I just went in chronological order because I, I put a lot of time and thought into it about like what matches really stand out and why. You know, first and foremost because of like the match quality, uh, but then even more important than that was the significance of that match into our career and into us becoming in, uh, into a bigger deal or whatever else. Final deletion. You know, so many people hate that match that are traditional wrestling people, but the significance of the final deletion cannot be understated. I mean, that is, without a doubt, the reason we end up going back to WWE. Without the final deletion, we don't return to WWE like we did. And that, that's something that is a, a definite. No, I get that, but I'm saying specifically regarding this latter war, though. Like, I think, I think, in ring wise, this is one of the most impressive matches you guys ever had in your career. You guys were pushed mm-hmm. to a level of intensity and athleticism that I don't think anyone had ever pushed you to. What's your read on it? I mean, it was good. It was a match I was very proud of, you know, and especially we were going into this, you know, there was a lot of pressure on us because we'd had the pressure. We got calls from Michael Hayes, from Triple H, from Vince the day of, like to not get hurt and for me to like, you know, take care of Jeff. So if Jeff got hurt, it was going to be my fault one way or the other because I was my brother's handler at that time. So, you know, th- there was a lot of pressure on us, and we we wanted to we wanted to blow this thing off with Ring of Honor. We wanted to do all we could to, you know, make the Bucks into the biggest stars they could be out of this match. That was our a very important goal of ours. But at the same time, we didn't want to kill ourselves. And I think we we were pretty smart about this match. Jeff was still Jeff, and it, and it is what it is. I mean, you know. A rock is going to be a rock. Uh, Jeff Hardy is going to be Jeff Hardy. So, you know, some things just don't change. But, you know, Matt and Nick, too, they, like, busted their ass, and they worked extra hard in this thing, too. And and we just had a really solid, smart match, I thought. As I've said, for my money, the spot with Nick coming off the ladder onto the top rope through the tables might be one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen in wrestling. It was surreal that he pulled that off with the accuracy. Did he run yeah. that spot beforehand? Um, I want to say we went to the ring and we got, we kind of pushed it and he just went from one ladder to the other ladder, I want to say. But obviously we didn't do the bounce off the rope and down. I mean, that was just kind of like done in the moment. I, I think he just wanted to feel how it felt to go from one ladder to the other ladder. But it, it's crazy, man. He just, he nailed it. He, th- those are, those guys are special. Nick, especially he is, you know, the Jeff of that team, he is, he just does some unreal things. Great way to bring this episode full circle too, with the news of them re-signing in all elite wrestling. And who knows, maybe one day there still might be another young Bucks Hardys match out there at some point. I still feel like there might be a score to settle after where I think so. things I think so. And you, I like it. We watched it a few months ago. I really liked your double or nothing match with them last year. And I thought there's more, to be seen from those two teams. All right, Matt. So I'm going to ask you now. I'm I'm making you pick one top Matt Hardy slash Hardy Boys match ever. What is it? I would say, as a tag team, I would say our greatest match is 
the tag team ladder match at No Mercy. Okay. Why is that? Uh, it was the most important. Uh, it was so significant. It put us on the map. It really led us to taking it to another level. It opened up so many opportunities and doors for us. And we also did some stuff that had never been seen before. And without that tag team ladder match, you don't get into the whole TLC concept, which allows us all, myself, Jeff, Edge, Christian, uh, Bubba, Devon, to become these huge, massive stars. Without, without that match, you don't get there. That match started the whole chain reaction of the whole TLC movement and the TLC era. So I think that is, for my for, for my money's worth, that is probably the greatest tag team match of the Hardy Boys. I would say as a singles, it's 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 hard not to say the cage match that I had with Edge, uh, really a really standout match of my career. But also I, I've got to throw the final deletion in there too because like even though it's not a traditional match per se, the ramifications that came from doing the final deletion, like this rebirth of popularity where, you know, we go through a period where, you know, Matt's more popular than Jeff, which is something that doesn't typically happen. Uh, WWE sees how viral this becomes. We quickly get back on their radar, you know, which even when Michael called said, oh, I didn't think I'd be making this call again. He said, but yeah, I'm glad I am. You know, we're, we would love to have you guys come home. We'd love to have you guys come home. Uh, so, so those are the two things I think are the most pivotal Matt Hardy singles matches. I respect it entirely. I'm going to ask you a bonus here. What's your, what do you think is the best Jeff Hardy match? Oh, the best Jeff Hardy match. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm probably going to go with significance as well. And I would probably say when he won the WWE championship, against uh you know with hunter and edge and that triple threat at armageddon what year was that oh oh nine oh eight 2008 2008 yeah armageddon 2008 armageddon 2008 interesting interesting i'm i guess i was just asking that because i feel like so many people underrate a lot of jeff's early stuff too i like i think i think his work with rvd was just <laughs> so fantastic and, the, and the, that also the ladder match with Taker, which he did early on, is something that definitely sits very high on my list of greatest Jeff Hardy matches, too. Yeah. Interesting stuff there, Matt Hardy. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. For the record, your singles match with Edge, 4.25 stars from the guru himself, Mr. Dave Meltzer. There you which have I believe is I'm scrolling through all of your singles matches that received ratings i do believe that is your highest rated singles match so take with that what you will matt hardy but uh, in my in my book all these matches are great a matches go check all them out we've talked about a lot of them in our archives extremehardy.com anything else you'd like to add this week my friend uh, no, this was fun though. This was fun. You uh, you kind of chipped away at me to uh, to do this episode. I'm glad we did. Yeah, I, I thought it would be good to get a little reference point for you. Where? How do you view your career in your own introspective? You know, uh, so many fans will have their opinions. Fans have never shied away from expressing their opinions to you, as a matter of fact. And so, why don't we actually hear the man himself reflect honestly on his own matches? Um, right. What was the worst match of your career? The worst match of my career? It was the worst match of your career. Oh, boy. It's okay. Uh, you can throw whoever under the bus. It's fun. 
it's really been hard to uh, hard to think about. Like I'm sure there's been some weird nothing matches on a SmackDown or something that was two minutes long and was a cluster. But anything in particular stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that like immediately okay. jumps out. That's yeah, good. that's good. You've just had a perfect career. Nothing's ever gone wrong in it. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my wife now. <laughs> 30 minutes, 30 minutes, and you're gone, okay? 28.30, baby. 20, I sent her that screenshot before Matt and I, context, before Matt and I taped our bonus episode the other day. She storms in before we tape. She goes, 30 minutes, okay? You shithead, 30 minutes, that's all you got. And, 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 and then you're done. You're done. I'm not kidding. She goes, I know you guys like to talk. I was like, yeah, <laughs> we do like to talk. And so we went like 28.34. I screenshotted. I sent it to her, and she said, thank you. And you're welcome. <laughs> We're all good. Hey, we want you to be part of our team here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Head on over to advertisewithhardy.com. Make sure that you get your product or your business out in front of thousands of listeners every single week. That's advertisewithhardy.com. Head on over to our Box of Gimmicks store. Pick up your Matt Fact, Matt Fiction t-shirt, your baseball tee, your, what are they called, tank tops. You got those as well. We got a lot of great designs there. Boxofgimmicks.com. These are some of the best shirts in all of wrestling. Put them on your back and make sure that you're supporting Matt Hardy and the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Fun show this week, my friend. Enjoy Tampa. Hopefully you get a little sun in. And uh, they'll be back at it next week, my friend. There you go. All right. Everybody out there, if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend to check out the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast. We appreciate each and every one that tune in every single week because we are a very grassroots podcast. And uh, there's a ton of podcasts out there. And if you dig our thing, please spread the word. Tell people about myself and John. We're very passionate about what we do. And leave that five cinco five cinco five star review wherever you get your podcast. It goes a long way for us. The words have been spoken. We'll see you next time right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Delete!